Franklin Life Center. Good morning. We are so glad you're here today. If you are new with us today, I hope that you will feel welcomed. Um, we are glad to see you. We'd like to get to know you. Um, would you stand and sing with us this morning? We are going to sing some Christmas songs. <laughs>
what this song is about, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. He is all of that and more. And Jesus, we sing to you today. Thank you, Father God, for being our everything, closer than the air we breathe. We need you. We need you in this place. We need you in our lives, in our relationships. We worship you today, Father. We make the choice to turn our faces to you and say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive all the glory and the honor. We love you, Jesus. You are the way-making God. You are our everlasting Father. The God who provides, the God who sees, covenant-keeping God, faithful through all generations, never changing. We trust you, Father. We put our trust in you. He's here with us. Let's sing. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you.
Worshiping a God who just feels like this sometimes, who just um, decides sometimes he wants to be this way. He is. He is the I am. He is the I am of all eternity. We worship you this morning, Jesus.
We thank you for your decision to come and Emmanuel, come and tabernacle with us. We celebrate that this season and every day. We need you, and we worship you, Jesus. Even as I wait, you come close. 
problems, to our victories and our defeats, a personal God who cares about the nitty-gritty of my life, of all of our lives. Lord, we love you and we worship you today. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to have our Advent moment now, and the Johnson family is joining us. I believe they have four generations of Johnsons this morning. We're glad to have them. Good morning. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. Last week we talked about what it means to hope for and anticipate Jesus' birth and his return. We have another candle to light today, the candle of love. Girls, what do you think, what do people do when they want to show you love? Hugs and kisses. Yeah. There are a lot of ways. My mom. <laughs> we miss our cues all the time. There are a lot of ways we can know we are loved. One of the way God, ways God shows us love is by sending Jesus to become human and to live a messy life along with our messy lives. God also expects us to show love to God, and because of how good it feels to be loved by God, to show God's love to others around us. How can we show love to those around us, girls? Hugs. <laughs> when we love the people around us whom God put in our lives, like our friends, our family members, and even the people who hurt our feelings, or the people that we just don't like. <laughs> when we show these people love, we are participating in loving God as well. And we love God and others because... God has taught us how to love by sending Jesus. So today, we light the candle of the love candle. 
remembering that God loved us so much that he came to be with us in this messy, broken world. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you loved us enough to send your son to die on a cross for us. Help us remember how much you loved us so that we can show your love to others in our lives, even those who are hard to love. Thank you for loving us and teaching us how to love you and others. Amen.
Lord Jesus, we call on your name today. You are worthy of our praise. You, the God of all the universe, crammed yourself into flesh. You became human. Born of a virgin. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, she placed you in a manger. It's a, it's a cute song. It's a beautiful song. song that we learn almost on the point where we can even begin to talk. We own this song, and yet it communicates such profound truth. You are our God, and we are your people called by your name. And we humble ourselves before you today. We seek your face today. We turn from our wicked ways today. Humble us, Lord Jesus. May we truly experience and know you as our Lord and Savior. And so doing this, would you come and heal our land? As we pray this scripture, just asking that you would fulfill it. We want to see your face, and we want to see you working in our lives, in our families, in all the generations of our families, in our communities, in our nation, in our world. You are the light of the world. We honor you today. And as the ushers are coming forward to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, we thank you for the gifts and the blessings that you have poured out into our lives. And we honor you today with, with our gifts, returning them to you, our tithes and our offerings. So take what we have to offer you today, use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name, amen.
Okay, you can pick a song. I saw DJ good. Jazzy Jack. Yeah. Jazz. Back on the grind again. I know it's been a little while, but it's time again. Go catch the great, we can go rhyme again. I'm like, hold up, give me time, my man. I see a lot of things check off with the Santa Craig. Hey, hey. 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 Hey, I don't know it. Is this from The Lion King? Alright. What song do you want? It feels like perfect night. Come on, Olivia. Got one. Okay. Banger. Going the right way, Mia? No. What? Family Sunday is December 22nd. So if you and your family do this in the car, or even if you don't, please join us and participate. So email me at woodlandlifecenter at gmail.com if you and your family want to sing a song or do a skit or a video or a dance or anything. Okay, that's going to be a fun morning, so hopefully you're planning on joining us for that. And if you have an act of some sort that you'd like to do, please let us know. We want as many participants as possible. It's good to see you all here this morning. And I want to invite you to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Book of Luke, chapter 1. Before we dig into the reading, though, uh, this is the time of year when, when so many traditional things happen, so many family traditions, and there's no doubt that you have a bunch of them. Maybe you've already started some of your traditions, Advent moments in, in the family home or uh, whatever kind of gatherings, parties, and such. Um, uh, we certainly have lots of family traditions that we do through the month of December heading up to Christmas Day. And one of those for our family is watching It's a Wonderful Life. I, come, now, who, who does that? Who does that every year watching It's a Wonderful Life? Go ahead. It's, this is confession time. Yeah. Okay. Who in here has already watched it more than once? Yeah, uh, I, I found out last night that the movie has been on in our house eight times this week, okay? It's nothing, there's no OCD going on in our house, all right? We love that movie, and, and, and it's a great one, um, and, and you're, you're tracking the, the story 
of, of George, right? And, um, and, and there's Clarence, the angel, who, who basically is being told George's life story up until this critical moment where Clarence becomes an answer to George's prayer, right? There's that, that moment when the, the, the $8,000 has been lost and George is in serious trouble. He and, and the, the Bailey building alone is, is in severe trouble and, and he's, he runs to the bar of all places to pray, right? I mean, that's what happens in the movie. He goes to the bar and and he's sitting at the bar, and he's sweating, and he's, he's, his, his hands are, are shaking, and he's in this severe place of desperation, and he cries out to God, God, I'm, I'm really not much of a, of a praying man, right? You remember the, the lines, right? And he's like, but if there's something you could do, if there's some kind of answer, there's some, some way... And, it, and, it's, and it's a severe place of desperation. And then, of course, the, the movie unfolds from there. I, I think that's what we, what we run into with, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, this, this kind of desperation. In fact, it, it's, it's a place of significant hopelessness. Zechariah and Elizabeth are John the Baptist's parents. They become... John the Baptist's parents. But you need to know that, that this couple, are, they're very righteous. He's a priest, and he's been serving in the priesthood, his, his in, in entire Jewish priesthood, in his entire life. And, and they're, they're well in years now. They're, they're an older couple, and she has been barren. And that is... Uh, that, that brings a, a desperation um, because in, that, in their culture, it, it is viewed as a curse on her. In fact, you should know that he would have been well within his rights to have divorced her because of that, this apparent curse that is on her. I don't know why it's all her fault, but I'm just saying this was, this was the viewpoint. And... And there is a, a place of desperation. He doesn't divorce her. There's a significant love between them. And, and they, they share this burden, this, this curse. And so they're in this place of desperation. There was probably about 20,000 priests or so that would serve or that would rotate in serving in, in the Jewish temple. And they would draw a name by lot. They, they would draw a name by, by luck. You would get called forth to go and serve in, and, and offer incense. And there was so many serving that if you were lucky, you might get chosen once in your lifetime. And Zachariah's name gets called on. And he goes in to offer incense and 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 offer this very significant moment of, of worship unto the Lord. And the Lord meets with him. An angel of the Lord comes and meets with him. Now, you need to realize how significant this is. Because you have to rewind the calendar 400 years 
since the last time the Lord has brought an official word to Israel. The end of Malachi. Now for us, that's turning a page. We get to the end of Malachi, we turn a page, and we're, and we're in the New Testament. The amount of time between the end of Malachi and Matthew chapter 1, or John chapter 1, or Mark chapter 1, or Luke chapter 1, is 400 years. A, a wilderness of sorts. The span of time between the last word that Malachi received and and the time that Gabriel begins to show up and bring forth greetings and, and, and bring forth messages about the coming of Messiah. 400 years. You know, when you look at Malachi and you see that last word, it's referring to the coming of Elijah. It's referring to the coming of who we will know as John the Baptist, the Elijah who was to come. We'll, we'll connect those dots. The church will end up connecting those dots. So the very last thing that the Lord talked about in Malachi, the very last word of prophecy that was given to Israel referred to the Elijah who was to come. And the very next thing that's said, which is 400 years later, speaking to Zechariah, who would become the father of John the Baptist, the Elijah who was to come. God himself will fulfill the message 400 years later. We pick up the reading today at verse 39. What has happened between verse 1 and verse 39 is Zachariah and Elizabeth have become pregnant. She's about six months along. So John is in the womb. And Mary has been visited by Gabriel, receiving news that she's going to have a son. The difference between Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Mary and Joseph are pretty significant here. We have Zachariah and Elizabeth who are well along in years and their hopelessness about ever having a child was severe. So significant that when the angel said to Zachariah, this is going to happen to you, he, had, he was just full of doubt. Full of doubt. And so therefore, God struck him and he was mute until this moment when John was born and he was able to say, no, his name is going to be John. So he, he's not unable to speak for quite a while. Mary, though, when Gabriel appears to Mary and says, you're going to have a son, and Mary is, oh, we think, around 16 years old. Not Mary, but she's pledged to be married. Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and, uh, and, and you are going to become pregnant. You're going to be with child, and it's going to be a son, and you're to name him Jesus, and you know the story. And her response is quite the opposite of Zachariah's. Whatever the Lord wants to do in my life, through my life, may it be done. This has all happened leading up to verse 39, and we pick up the reading. Mary hears about Elizabeth's 
miraculous pregnancy as well. And it says this, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. A remarkable exchange here. Mary walks in the door and basically says hello. And just hearing her voice, the Holy Spirit, it, it, it becomes apparent to us through the story that, even, that John, from inception, from conception, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what we can infer from this. Filled with the Holy Spirit. In the womb. And upon Mary hearing, I mean upon Elizabeth hearing Mary's voice, he jumps for joy because Messiah, who has just barely gotten started in her womb, has shown up on the scene. I don't know. Man, I, I try not to read too much into things, but this, this sure gives me a, a pretty significant um, foundation for abortion not being okay. I'm, I'm not trying to sidetrack us here, but this story right here, what's going on inside of these wombs, all right, gives us a pretty significant platform for understanding that there is life inside of, of a mother's womb going on. Just, just a little word to the church there. And this exchange is, is phenomenal. When Elizabeth experiences this, she becomes filled with the Holy Spirit and she begins to prophesy and, and she learns of things from the Holy Spirit that she had no business knowing about except that the Holy Spirit just straight up lays it on her. Whoa! The, the mother of my Lord has just walked through the door. And not only do I know that He is within you, but the Holy Spirit is telling me that your response was significant. Blessed are you because you believed when you heard that this was going to happen. You believed. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. As I, as I read this paragraph, um, and, and I, I'm, I'm seeing Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm a little puzzled because I feel like it's not as much about Messiah as it is about Mary. It's just a little puzzling to me. It's sort of like watching It's a Wonderful Life and, 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 start, and, and thinking that the movie is all about Clarence. 
instead of George, right? I mean, Clarence, Clarence is there to, to help. Clarence is, 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 a, is a minister to George. Clarence is there to bring, to bring support and, and clarity, and, and, and he's an answer to George's prayer, but George is the center point of the movie. Well, the center point of this should be the child in the womb, but we, as she's declaring these words, it, it, it seems to be focusing on, on Mary. A little puzzling to me. And we've seen historically that, that the church, generally speaking, sometimes has overemphasized Mary's role and maybe put Mary in, in, a, in a position of worship that she doesn't belong in. Historically, the church has done that. Now, us Protestants, okay, so let me just explain something. If we think about the general umbrella of the church, typically there's two categories that fall underneath that, Protestants and Catholics. We all believe in Jesus as Messiah. And the Catholic Church existed as it is now since the beginning of the church in general. And the Protestants broke off from the Catholic Church. Essentially because there was a lot of corruption happening in the Catholic Church. And when we began to own our own Bibles and we began to read Scripture for ourselves and the Holy Spirit was, was coming upon those people, they began to break off from the Catholic Church and this Protestant. But understand that under the umbrella of Protestantism, there's many different churches underneath that. So yes, in the Catholic realm of the church, there has been a tendency to elevate Mary to, to a status that she really shouldn't be in. And part of it, I think, comes from what Elizabeth is saying here. But let's face it, us Protestants, we probably have a tendency to, because of what they have done with Mary, we have a tendency to disregard Mary. When clearly the words here, and there's got to be somewhere in the middle where we, come, we, we realize that, that there is a significant blessedness about her that the Holy Spirit in this moment would speak through Elizabeth and make these declarations. I'm not suggesting at, by any stretch of the means that we would enter into any kind of worshiping Mary or praying to Mary. No, our relationship is with Messiah. But there's something quite significant about who Mary is and this fundamental response, this fundamental thing that is happening inside of her that would agree to this, let's, let's call this reckless thing that this 16-year-old girl would agree to that would look so scandalous, that would would threaten the, the, the impending marriage that was going to happen for her. All of these things she could have toiled over, all these things she could have said, I, I don't know, I, 
this doesn't sound like a good idea for me. I mean, I, the, I've, I've got my life kind of set up here, and, 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 and I, I've been doing things the right way, and, and suddenly to have this happen, it's, what is this going to look like? She doesn't answer. She doesn't ask any of those questions. She just simply agrees to it and believes that what God has said through the angel Gabriel is going to happen to her. Blessed are you. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And those are Elizabeth's words to Mary. That's Elizabeth's spirit-filled response. And then here's what Mary says to that. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Her her words immediately bring attention and glory to God. Whatever, Whatever Mary has said to elevate Mary or to... Um, uh, talk about her blessedness, Mary just defers it immediately. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of my humility, the humble state of his servant. Okay, so from now on, all generations will call me blessed but the mighty one for the mighty one has done great things for me holy is his name his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation he has performed mighty deeds with his arm he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts now just ponder that for a moment because that should scare us a little bit. I mean, that should wake us up a little bit, church. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And then it closes out by saying, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And that time frame means that Mary was there when John was born. Think about this. 400 years of silence. That 30 seconds was really awkward. Four hundred years. Of, of the Jews 
worshiping God, offering sacrifices, bringing the incense, keeping, keeping the temple worship going. 400 years of, of priests constantly serving, rotating. 400 years of effort on behalf of humanity to reach out to God. And then suddenly the Lord begins to speak. Messiah's coming. But first Elijah has to come. That fulfills the last thing I said. John's ministry is interesting. He lived out in the desert. Um, ate locusts, wild honey. And then when the time came, I think you get to chapter 3 of Matthew, he begins to really implement his ministry. The way he looked, though, his wild hair and the the leather clothing that he had and what he was eating was, was quite interesting because when you go to 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, so now you're rewinding the clock, the biblical clock, way, way back, okay? There's a description of Elijah. And it's an exact match. I encourage you to open it up. Take a look. 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8. Verse, there's this conversation happening. A man came to see us. This is verse 6. They replied. And he said to us, go back to the king who sent you and tell him this is what the Lord says. This is happening because there is no God in Israel that you are sending messengers to consult a false idol, essentially. Therefore, you will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. That's Elijah's message to the king. So the king asked, well, what kind of man was it? Who came to meet you and told you this? Well, he had a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. Oh, that was Elijah. This fascinating, I mean, you could blow right past that and not, and not notice it. This is what John was looking like out in this wilderness. And he begins to draw all of Israel to himself as he's baptizing them and preparing the way of the Lord. The whole purpose of his life beginning to unfold the preparation of the ministry of Messiah. I, I fascinating by by I, I see all this imagery of this wilderness. The four hundred years, Elijah's whole ministry setting the stage for Messiah, and 
Messiah comes right inside of all of that, inserts himself inside of all of that. I'm thinking, isn't that, isn't that just what he does for us still? The truth is we all have our wilderness seasons. Maybe it's times where we feel like the Lord has stopped speaking. Maybe even feel like He's abandoned us. I, I, I can't imagine what... We, we don't really get any good explanation about the mindsets of Israel in that 400 years, but I mean, how long would it take you before you started giving up? My parents didn't hear... God's voice, my grandparents didn't hear God's voice. How, how, how far back is 400 years? How many generations are we talking about? You, you, it's hard to do the math when you're talking about parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great. I mean, how many greats are we going here before you get back to a Malachi? Have these... times in our lives where maybe we feel like the wilderness reality is, is where we are. And even in the midst of that, Messiah inserts himself. The truth is we're not alone, though we may feel that. And I can't tell you why it is that you wouldn't be hearing God's voice or why it seems that He's become silent. Because there could be a number of reasons for that. I mean, there could be things in our own lives that, that begin to block us from being able to hear His voice. And I'm not necessarily saying audibly, okay, that probably rarely, rarely, rarely happens. But there's, you know, when you're digging into the Word or when you're praying and, and you can feel the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Something lifts up out of Scripture. Or it can even come through a, a worship song or a conversation with a friend, a time in prayer where the Spirit of God moves. You know what I'm talking about. And we have times where that hasn't happened for us in a while. And and so we press in. And we continue to press in just as the Israelites were doing, we continue to seek His face. And we continue to humble ourselves before Him because, you know what? Messiah will insert Himself. Messiah will break through whatever the barriers might be. Because the Spirit of God 
is, is, is faithful, and he's, he's faithful to his promise. This was Elizabeth's response to Mary's greeting and Mary's response to Elizabeth's word of prophecy. He's, he's faithful. He's faithful. And maybe that's the thing that we really need to be reminded of today is God's faithfulness. Even, even in the midst of times where it seems like there's been a disconnect, maybe we just have to make a decision in our minds to, to remind ourselves, purpose to remind ourselves, He is faithful to His promises. And He's faithful to His people. Yeah, even though there was a 400-year gap, God never abandoned them. He was silent. He didn't speak again. He didn't insert his voice again into this community until the appropriate time. The perfect time. Fulfilling his words of prophecy. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. What if, I don't know, what if that was our heart's cry through this Advent season? What, what, if, what if that were the words on our lips? The words that were flowing from our hearts? My soul glorifies Him. And my spirit rejoices in Him. And I am confident that He has been mindful of me. He's been mindful of you. He's been mindful of, of your journey. He's been mindful of your reality. Mindful of your struggles. Mindful of the oppression that maybe you have been experiencing from the enemy, from the world. Mindful of your victories and your defeats. Your wins, your losses. Mindful of, of your good choices. Mindful of your poor ones. When, you, when you're reminded of that, when you're hearing that, how does that, how is that coming in? Does it start to elevate the spirit and the soul to where Mary's is? My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. With, with your eyes closed, and, and, and just open an openness to the Holy Spirit right now. I, I just want to ask us to spend a few moments in prayer. And you can do so right there from your seat. You can communicate. 
the Holy Spirit right where you're seated. But I also want to open up the front of the stage as, as, as an altar. A, a, a special place that, that maybe there are some of us in here that would just really like to seek His face in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a real position of humility, humbleness. Maybe some of us have been in a wilderness place. If you just find yourselves wanting to, feeling the need to seek His face. It's you and Messiah time right now. I'm opening this place up for prayer as you feel led to pray. Just for the next couple of minutes. Let's call on the name of the Lord together. Lord Jesus, create a hunger in us. Holy Spirit, create a hunger in us for more of you. A hunger in us that we would want to know you more. 
and experience real relationship with you. Real communion, real community, real communication with you. Where we desperately need you. Create a hunger in us that we would desperately want you. May we just choose right now to believe in who you are and believe in your promises for us. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. That you will and are redeeming us. You are transforming us. You are making us new. That your grace and your mercy is sufficient for redeeming us and making us new. That you have plans for us, plans to prosper us, not, not to harm us, but to give us hope and, and a future. That your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. That it has power and authority to penetrate to the core of who we are and change us. That we can hide your word in our hearts and it will change our sinful nature. That your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It guides us. It empowers us to take the right steps at the right time. It helps us to know your good and your pleasing and perfect will. And so many more promises beyond that. Bring us to a place where we just simply believe, as, as Mary did, in her, in her innocence, in her youthfulness. She just believed. She was blessed for that. And we will continue to remember her blessedness because of that. Empower us to live that way, to think that way, to, to walk that way. We are your people called by your name, filled by your spirit, transformed by your power, saved by your grace. We love you and we honor you in all things. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all prayed and everybody said, Amen. 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 Would you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you. And before I do that, just one quick announcement. If you are in the age group that would be considered a prime timer, whether the head of hair that you have reflects that or not, if you feel like that's your group, 
um, you are invited immediately after our service up the ramp, up this hallway here to, to the chapel area to practice a song because our prime timers are going to be one of the groups singing for us at our family Christmas celebration. And you are invited to participate in that, okay? So whoever you might be, and if you're not sure, ask the person standing next to you because they'll probably let you know one way or the other. But you're invited to participate in that, and that, that rehearsal will happen right after we're done here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord continue to be faithful to you, revealing himself to you. May the Spirit of God consume you. May his countenance fall on you. May he own you this week. And I do pray that it's, that it's an amazing one and, a, and an empowered one. May you walk in the light as he is in the light. Have an impactful week. See you next Sunday. Thank you. Change.
Shots. 